The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. Every sports media star has a story. From the highs... We are number one. We just grabbed every key demographic. <laughs> to the lows... You're fired! The path to success is always different. To help you learn more about the industry's top broadcasters, Barrett Sports Media brings you the Sports Talkers Podcast. Now, here's your host... Stephen Strong. Episode 28, Sports Talk Podcast, BarrettSportsMedia.com. Stephen Strong here. Great to have you in. Good morning, good afternoon, whenever you may be listening. We've got a special guest. It is Joy Taylor of FS1. She's currently the co-host of Speak with LaShawn McCoy and Emmanuel Acho. She was the anchor on the herd, the moderator on Skip and Shannon. She started down here in Miami at 790 to ticket. She's done a little bit of everything and really enjoyed our conversation about her childhood when she got into broadcasting, graduated down, if we have Miami people listening or Florida people listening, Barry University uh, on Miami Shore, so really cool connection there. And we talk about a, a plethora of things. The Skip and Shannon show that started at 6 a.m., her routine, that's 3 a.m. in uh, Pacific time, what her routine was like, and uh, a very funny story that her and Skip had um, one of the first days they started working, Joy Taylor had a couple of tweets that she had sent out before knowing Skip Bayless. Remember, Spurs, Heat, she was down here doing local radio. So that's very, uh, very interesting story that she shares on the podcast about that specific incident. We also get a ton of great broadcast advice from Joy. She's a pleasure. Very excited to share that with you. Without further ado, let's get to Joy Taylor. But hold on real quick, really quick. Rate, subscribe, and review Sports Talkers Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Of course, we're everywhere. Spotify, Google, JB takes care of us. All right, now we can get to Joy Taylor. Here she is, everybody. Give us a sense of your childhood. I knew you were born in Pittsburgh, but you got down here to Miami. Talk a little bit about that and then your interest into sports broadcasting. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I lived there until I was uh, 18 years old. I played a bunch of sports growing up, soccer, track, volleyball, and basketball. And I was recruited to play soccer and run track in college. And I ended up running track my freshman year um, on scholarship in Pennsylvania. And if you know anything about Pittsburgh, it is a very sports heavy town. And uh, everyone there is assigned their allegiances at birth. So (laughs) so I grew up around uh, very intense sports fans, both women and men and obviously played um, sports myself and watched, you know, a lot of football growing up. I, I graduated from Barry University in Miami, which was a great, uh, a, a great school for me because I went for broadcast journalism. I grew up obviously with a very heavy interest in sports, but I wanted mm-hmm. to be Michael Jordan. And, uh, you know, it took a little, it took a little time <laughs> to settle in yeah. uh, that that was not going to be my path. I, I always had an interest in covering sports and talking about sports. And like I said, Pittsburgh is just a place where people have conversations about sports everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I decided to go for broadcast journalism at Barry and that was, so you transferred your freshman year in. Yeah. Pre- so give me that process real quick. When did you decide? Yeah. To so I transferred, transferred after my junior year uh, or before my junior year to, to Barry. So I went two years to Barry university. And when I came in, I went sort of directly into the, the program to so the broadcasting program there because I had already finished my associates and, and all of that. And the broadcast department there is very, it's very small and very intimate, but very well equipped. 
So I learned, you know, how to use a prompter, how to edit, how to do a radio show, how to write for uh, a news story, how to do reporting, how to use the camera, how to produce a television show. So I got a really well-rounded education on the technical side, as well as the production side at Barry. And I also worked at the radio station at Barry, the student station as a manager. And I had my own show there as well. Not... Not to the level that I've been working on now. Yes, 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 yes. But it was a great start. It was really, I, I liked being able to make mistakes at that level. And as you know, reps are super important yep. and you get better every time you do something, particularly in this business. So being able to start in a space where there's not so much pressure and were, were very helpful for me. What did you feel like you had that maybe others didn't that gave you the confidence that I, I can break into this? Um... I, I think, I think of my personality, I've always wanted to be a personality driven. I've always wanted to have a personality driven career, I guess mm. you should say. So I, I've always admired uh, Howard Stern, Oprah, you know, people who really built their empires off of being themselves and being authentic. And that's what drew their audiences to them. I'm, I've never been a, a news person. I never wanted to be a reporter. I, it's very I really robotic hope- being an anchor and that's no disrespect to anyone. But that's very like, no. You know, I think it's. And, I, I think it's very. I think it's a big responsibility to be mm-hmm. a reporter and to be an, an anchor in that space because mm-hmm. you don't get to put your opinion on things. You mm-hmm. are expected to be unbiased. Although we've sort of gotten into a space now where it's very hard to find unbiased reporting and, and hosting. But I, I still do think journalists, real journalists, are the backbone of our democracy and a functioning mm-hmm. society, and that spills over to sports as well. So I've never wanted to be in that space. I always wanted to react to the news and give my opinion, which is part of the reason why I started my career in radio, because I wanted to talk and I didn't always have the confidence that I was going to be able to do it, but I always wanted to lean into my personality and be an authentic person, you know, in my career. And when you're just yourself, then... (laughs) then it's, right. it, it feels more comfortable to be able to do. So you graduate from Barry, you end up at 790 to ticket. You're, you're doing a bunch of different things there. You're doing some production stuff. And I think, again, this is important that everyone learns that you don't just get up and graduate and you're on air. You know, you, you, you do the behind the scenes stuff that really prepares you for where you're at. I mean, I think you probably will look back on all the things that you've done and said, all of this has helped me to where I'm at today. So tell me, I guess, from your local days at 790, when you got that call from Fox or um, just kind of give us that story to, to that catapulted you there. Yeah. So after a few years at 790, I was coming up on my contract with 790 and we were negotiating and I had signed with an agent and gotten an audition with FS1. At the time, FS1 was a very different uh, rendition of a network than it is now. Mm. Um, Skip Skip was not there yet. Colin was there. Colin was the, he was a pioneer to to right. lead that. Yeah, he was the first one that went, and his show was really the cornerstone of the network. I mean, everyone they were still they had torn everything else down that they had originally launched with, um, and were getting away from more of the newsy shows and leaning into full opinion mm. a full opinion lineup. They were interviewing a bunch of different people, pretty much anyone who was available around the country. So I came in for an an audition, um, did really well, and was brought back for another one. 
And then we, you know, just started talking and they wanted to, to bring me out. And again, at the time, Nick Wright and I were hired at the same time at FS1, but there were no shows. It was just the herd. <laughs> so I came out to Los Angeles and did not have anything to do. <laughs> they were, we were just, the two of us were just kind of floating around LA. Like yeah. we're used to doing, I'm used to doing a four hour daily show. You know, Nick was used to doing a daily radio show. That's a big haul. So it was going from a pretty big, you know, schedule in Miami to to LA at FS1. Right. Um, but all that happened before Skip and Shannon even committed to coming. So you end up being the moderator and it's a, I was listening to one of your interviews and, and there's a story you tell that the first thing that you said to Skip was, uh, I guess, a tweet. And, and this is so like prominent, especially uh, for people that are younger that are, you know, on social media. What was the tweet and, and why did you feel like it was important to just be like, hey, like, you know, I was like, I didn't mean this or whatever it may be. Skip and I had already met many times before this happened. And, okay. um, you know, we're discussing the show and all of those things and the I, I want to say that it was announced that I was going to be the moderator I, don't, I can't remember the timeline on it but some tweets of some previous tweets of mine had come out from when I was at 790 and keep in mind Skip Bayless is a San Antonio fan yep, anti-LeBron and anti-LeBron and the Miami Heat had LeBron and matched up against San Antonio in some pretty big games so he like most of us in the national space became, you know, public enemy number one to yep. whatever local team he was going against, which happened to be the Miami heat. I think I <laughs> said he was a clown or was like playing a character or something. That's not, but, bad. you know, at this, at, it's pretty bad. It, it, it wasn't great, <laughs> but I look, I'm, I said it. So I had a first face-to-face conversation with him and apologized and said, you know, obviously this was tweeted before I knew you and before I was at, at Fox. And, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for you now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I fully understand if you don't want to work with me anymore, like that's, that's, you know, I would understand that, but I'm going to apologize and whatever. And he was like, you know, I totally understand. I did local, you know, radio in my career as well. Like that's part of the deal is that you create, you know, characters that get the fans involved. And wow. like, I, I, I get it. Like, I know what you did for a living. He was very kind about it. And it was a very good lesson for me. And I, I do think it is important to keep in mind, you know, now that I'm on speak a lot, I don't pay attention to social media. Um, Not to social media, I should say. I don't read Twitter. You can't. Um, and, you know, I'm not paying attention to what, you know, show has made me a character this week or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, it's my job to give my opinion. It's not my job to make every fan base feel good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't like to upset anybody. That's not my goal. But you're I'm in the opinion business. I think. Yep. <laughs> right. Yep. And if you don't yep. like it, that's okay. You know, you yep. don't have to like what I say. Um, but, you know, I do think in the business, it can, it can come back on you, you know? So, and I'm, you know, I get it also. So I, I pay that grace forward that was given to me, but it is, you know, it's, it is a note. You know, you're from the East coast. So when I saw the, you know, this was a 6am show. Okay. So you're up. I don't know what I, I was just like, what was this woman's routine? Like, wh- how did you like, can you like give us a spark notes version of what time you went to bed and just like, <laughs> how did you do this? Uh, so I blacked out 
for two years is basically what it was. Um, no, I had done mornings for most of my career. This is really, I mean, I, I started in the afternoons. My very first job part-time at WQAM in Miami was on the afternoon show. I was the part-time producer for the afternoon show. That was my first paid job in the business. So from that time until now, I've worked mornings. But this type of morning, like you're mentioning with Undisputed, is a different kind. It's really not the morning. It's really the middle of the night. So I would get up at 3.20 in the morning, be at the studio by 4 for the production meeting, do the production meeting from, you know, 4 to 4.20, 4.15, 4.30, depending on how long the meeting went. They're usually pretty short because this, this, the show is basically stacked the night before. I mean, yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. really happens between, you know, 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. unless something happens in a late basketball game. But we pretty much know what we're doing before we go to sleep. But, yeah, I mean, I would wake up 3.20, go to the meeting, go to hair and makeup, be on set by 6.15. Coffee girl or no? Uh, yes, but I, I've never wanted to be addicted to coffee. You want to rely on it. That's fair. Not addicted. Like I don't have an addictive personality, but like rely on it, I guess. It's, right. Yeah. Um, so I would always have coffee. I would have coffee in hair and makeup and then I would have one on set, but I didn't want to like just constantly be drinking coffee all day. Also, when I would leave work, I want to go back to sleep. So <laughs> I would go home, take a long nap, you know, two hours, whatever, two, three hours, get up, go work out you know, run errands, whatever, watch whatever I need to watch for sports that day and go back to sleep. So during the week, I was really a machine. And I I, I would not, <laughs> I would not drink. I would not drink anything during the week, like not a glass of wine, nothing from Sunday afternoon to Friday, you know, after the show was just yeah. like a no alcohol zone. Because your just, body just can't process it. No. You just, you don't have no. enough time. And there's no option, particularly on that show, especially on the version of that show that we were doing, which was we had a steady cam walking around the whole sets. I mean, we had three or four guests every day in person. You know, we, w- we would be on the road for a-, a lot of the shows. It was just, you, you had to be on. There's just no other version. So from Friday, you know, 9 a.m. to like Sunday morning, it was go time. But in between that, it was like no social life, no going out, no dinners, nothing. Like it just... You have to have a really strict routine, which I am a routine person. So I, so I didn't mind that part of it. Yeah. I, I still have a pretty, pretty, not strict, but I have a, a pretty good routine when it comes to work. I like to eliminate uh, decisions every day that don't, that don't require creativity. Right. That doesn't make um, us control freaks. That makes us discipline. It's discipline, but it's, you know, it's, it's like the Steve Jobs model, you know, don't waste time and energy on decisions that really just don't matter. I eat the same thing for breakfast every day. I eat the same thing for lunch every day. I come in at the same time. I try to park in the same parking spot. I generally just wear, you know, sweatpants and a hoodie to work because I'm Mm -hmm. getting hair and makeup when I get here. Like I try to work out at the same time, that type of stuff to me, it just, it lowers my anxiety because I'm not like, oh my God, what time am I going to do this? And what time, where do I go over here? You do the same thing every day during yeah. the week. We do a daily show. So why add extra decisions? So that really, and, and it helps you for preparation because you're not spending your time and energy on things that are outside of the show. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was a really great time. I mean, I, we, like I said, we traveled to a lot of different places because we had just launched the show. And it was, you know, Skip's big entrance to FS1. And it was a big deal that he had left ESPN. And 
you know, Shannon joining him on the show. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did it. I'm, I'm proud of that, you know, uh, that time that we had together and it definitely prepared me for the next step. Everything I've done in my career has really, has really prepared me. I, I, you, you kind of alluded to it earlier. You know, you always feel confident. You, you know, young confidence is such a beautiful thing. I wish I could like cipher off some of the confidence <laughs> that I had when I was 18. Um, it's cause I didn't know any better, but you know, you always feel like you're ready until you get in this position. So use everything that you're doing to prepare yourself for the next step. So that when you do get the opportunity, you are ready. I use things that I learned in my internships when I was in college in the shows that I do every day. I use the writing skills that I learned at school every day. I have to write every day. I have to research every day. I have to, you know, help with show rundown and, Everything that I've done has given me experiences that help me be good at what I'm doing now. So it's, it's a balance of knowing when to go for the next step and enjoying the place you are at your, in your career at the moment. Absolutely. That's fantastic advice. And that's, that's the, that's the story on a lot of these people that we have on the podcast. And um, I think there's sometimes this notion that you just graduate and you're on air or some of these people that are in these positions just you know, got there. It's not the case now. So everyone has a different journey. I think that's been uh, the theme on this as well. But Joy, the last thing I'm going to ask you, uh, you've been around so many different talents and I know it's tough for me to say, just narrow it down to one. But when you think about someone that either influenced you or guided you, who's that person that comes to mind for you? Dan Levitard was huge for me. He really helped me in the you know early stages of my career, giving me you know, great advice and, um, and some, you know, like affirmation that I was on the right, on the right track and doing the right things. And throughout my career, he's always been, you know, kind enough to pick up the phone whenever I really need some, uh, some, some shakeup advice. So he's been great for me. Uh, Dan has, and, you know, from the, from the very beginning, very early stages when I was starting out in my career in Miami, um, Zaslow obviously is still a very good friend of mine. We talk often, Jason Jackson. Uh, I don't want to leave anybody out now that I'm listing my Miami people. Yeah, I mean, I had I had a lot of really great, great people around me. I mean, I started my career with Dan Cilio and Sid Rosenberg, and they were they were very kind to me, um, gave me great opportunities. Yeah, I mean, and all the heat, the whole heat staff. I mean, everyone, everyone there, uh, Crotty, Eric Reed, have all we've all been great for me. So and I, I feel really blessed to have been able to start my career in Miami. It's a huge market. And the one thing that I always try to advise young people in the business on, because I was, I don't, know, I, I don't like the word lucky, but I knew what I wanted to do. And so everyone that I worked with, everyone that I um, met, everyone that I asked to mentor me or that I asked for advice knew exactly what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that's really helpful when you're trying to break into the business, when you're reaching out to people, when you're asking for internships, when you're asking people to mentor you is that, you know what you want to do, because this is a vast business and it's only growing. If you know what you want to do, it's so much easier for people to point you in the right direction. It just helps you streamline your path. And it, mm. it really, when people think when, when opportunities come up or position opens, and someone's like, Hey, do you know somebody who like wants to get into this part of the business? Like we have an entry level job. I do. I do know someone who wants to 
be a beat writer for a team. But like, I can't think of that person if you don't know what you want to do. And people respect that. And because everyone in the business has had to deal with that at some point, there is a tendency to reach back and to, you know, to reach out and help people who are coming up in the business as well. Huge shout out to Joy Taylor for joining us today. She has an insane schedule. So we really appreciate her carving out time at Joy Taylor Talks on Twitter and Instagram. Always cool to see the growth of uh, a certain individual with her. Skip and Shannon, The Herd, to now the co-host of Speak, having her own thing, man. That's really cool to see the growth of Joy Taylor, and we appreciate the time as always. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and review Sports Talkers Podcast. And we also have other pods on bearsportsmedia.com that you can check out. We always have you covered with articles as well as far as the sports media world is concerned. Have a great weekend, everybody. We will talk to you next Thursday right here on the Sports Talkers Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Sports Talkers Podcast with Stephen Strong. A reminder that each episode can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcasting platforms. To stay up to date on future episodes, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.